That's good stuff, isn't it? That's good stuff, isn't it? Man, happy Mother's Day to all of you moms out there. Man, we appreciate you so much, and we love you, and thank you for all that you do. Uh, if it were not for you, we would not be here literally. Okay, so thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, we appreciate you. We just give you a hand, all the mothers in here. Thank you. I tell you, man, what a, what a powerful, powerful morning so far. Man, just God's presence. You can feel the Spirit. Um, I, I tell you, it's so cool to see and, and just thinking about, you know, here, here Caleb is. What, what grade are you in, Caleb? Eighth grade. Eighth grade, man, and he's, and he's using his talents that God has given him to, to bring honor and glory to, to his name. And, and then we got a, a guy here, I don't know if you noticed, a guy on the back and a guitar is John. Are, John, are you in here? Are you in here, John? John, John, John uh, is playing our guitar back here. He's brand new, like he's been coming for three or, three or four weeks, and he's only going to be here for like three or four more weeks. But his first Sunday here, he was like, man, I, you know, this is where I go to church back home. Uh, I really like it here. I feel, you know, feel the atmosphere. I love, love the fact that you can feel the presence of the Spirit here and just want to get plugged in. And so, I mean, he got plugged in right away. And that's, that's what it's about. And I think about all of our teachers in the back, man, who are teaching. And all of our volunteers who are serving, our greeters. And, and that's what community is about. That, that's what, we're, you know, we're, we're a team. And we're, and we're doing this together. And it's just an awesome thing. And so, man, thank you guys so much for uh, being a part of this and partnering with us. And as Charlie said, we are going to wrap up our series today on community. And so if you have your Bibles, uh, go ahead and open up to the book of Acts that is in your New Testament. It's Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. Acts chapter 2 is where we're going to, to be at this morning. And we're going to be in the last part of that chapter, starting in verse 42. So if you want to get that ready and hold that. I don't know about you, but one of my favorite holidays, by far, one of my favorite holidays is Turkey Day, Thanksgiving Day. Anybody with me on that? I don't know what it is about Thanksgiving, but I love Thanksgiving. I think it's my favorite because Thanksgiving was the one holiday where my whole family, like the, the one holiday out of the whole year that my whole family came together at one time at my aunt's house in uh, Peterstown, West Virginia. I don't know if you know where Peterstown, West Virginia is. It's kind of a uh, hidden back there. It's, it's right as you, before you cross the border from Virginia to West Virginia. Uh, it may, is it in West Virginia? Peterstown, West Virginia? It is, right? It is. Correct? Yes. Okay. So, so it is right across the line there. And, and so it was, it was a great time. And we'd go to my aunt's house and, and my cousin's house. They kind of lived together. Uh, and, and they had this long, the front room of their house. It's, it's just like this big, it's like a living room, dining room kind of combined together. And so, literally, they would set up these tables, these long tables, and uh, I, I'm telling you, we would get as many people around those tables as we possibly could get around them. Like, I, I got a table set up here, uh, just, just kind of as, as a visual for you to see, uh, but man, this, these tables were huge, they were long, uh, and I'm going to tell you something, man, there, there was certainly a lot of laughter uh, around those tables. I can tell you that there was a lot of, a lot of crying around those tables, and I can definitely tell you, man, there was some good eating around those tables, right? 
Like, I, I, good cookers. I like how you said that. Like, good, good, my mom's a good cooker. We had some good cookers in our family. And uh, I tell you, man, I, I remember uh, the first time that Robin, who is my wife now, she was my girlfriend then, she, uh, she came with me to one of our Thanksgiving meals, and the food was all there. You had the turkey, the ham, the mashed potatoes and gravy, sweet potatoes, green beans, good old crock pot mac and cheese, right? You know what I'm talking about? Man, my stomach just started growling. I'm not kidding. And, of course, you have the bread. And I remember being a little nervous because I really wanted my family to like Robin, right? This is the first time she's going to kind of meet everybody. And, and uh, but besides, she could potentially be my future wife. And I'll never forget when I knew that Robin was in like Flynn with my family. I'll never forget it. We were sitting around, around the table, and I have a cousin. Uh, they live in Florida. His name is Tom. And Tom is kind of a, a funny a witty guy. He likes to joke a lot. And we're sitting around a table, and he's got a son named Patrick. And somebody made the comment. They said, man, your son, Patrick, is really handsome. And Tom came back and said, well, it's because he looks like his father, right? And Robin, sitting beside me, my, my girlfriend, my future wife, without batting an eye, says, so what you're saying is, is his looks aren't going to last. <laughs> yeah, right there. I, that, that was the reaction that my family, that was the reaction. I mean, like, we literally busted out laughing. People were, like, banging on the table laughing so hard. And, and I knew right then, I was like, yep, 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 that's, that's my future wife right there. That's, that's awesome. And, uh, and she fit in, she fit in, man. I knew she was a keeper after that. And uh, I'm, I'm going to tell you, it's been a few years since we've been able to go back home and enjoy Thanksgiving with my family. Um, but as I look back on those, those memories, I realized that that table that we sat around wasn't just a table, right? It, it was a point of, of meeting. It was a point where, where people I call family shared our lives together, right? At that table, I'm going to tell you something, at that table we experienced and we lived in community. And, and the church is meant to be a table where we experience community, right? All of us who are in Christ Jesus are united into one really big family with God himself as our Father. And as a church, then, we gather as a family around God's table. And together we, we celebrate, right? Together we celebrate the joys of life, right? Together we, we, we cry with each other through the pains of life. Together we confess sin and, and pursue holiness and pursue after God. Together we serve, right? Together we, we worship. Together we share each other's burdens and pray for each other. Together we encourage each other. We encourage each other to follow Christ and grow in the gospel. So, Listen, I, I want you to know this morning that God is inviting each of us to pull up a chair around his table and to live in community, to experience life in community. And that's what this series has been about, right? This series, Community, has been about uh, you and me, the church, joining together as a team. You know, the, the church is not a building, it's not about a program, but rather it's about people. It's about you and me and people uh, joining together for a common purpose, for a common goal. And so throughout this series, we, we're exploring the idea of joining together for church membership. 
And what does it look like to be a part of the community here at Chester Christian Church? What does it look like when we join together and belong to and are involved with and committed to a local church? And so today we're going to wrap this series up by simply uh, asking the question, what does it look like to do life together? What does it look like to, to do life together and to, to, to live in community, to experience community around this table? And we're specifically going to be talking about small groups, right? Because, listen, God has not, uh, he, he created us in his image, right? You go back to all the way to the very beginning, man, Genesis chapter 1 and 2 talks about the creation account, how God created us in his image. And, and because we are created in God's image, we are relational beings who thrive best in community. Unfortunately, community has been deteriorating in the Western world. Would you agree? Right? I mean, it's just sad. Our culture has been marked uh, by a quest for independence. Right? We, we, we like to, to, to live solo lives. Right? We, we like to live in isolation. We, we don't like accountability, and we have superficial relationships. I mean, think about it. People are busier than ever, and yet they are lonelier than ever right? We live in a day and time that we can give uh, this misconception that people who are, who are isolated actually seem connected. I mean, social media has absolutely just changed the landscape of relationships and the way we connect with people, right? I mean, we can talk to people now without even being face-to-face. Like, you can, you can talk to, to, to somebody and not even, not even see them. I mean, social media allows me to create this persona that that I have my life all together. And you know what I'm talking about. Listen, if you're on Facebook, you know what I'm talking about. And I'm not dissing Facebook. I love Facebook. I'm on Facebook. But, but you know what I'm talking about, man, right? We, we, can, we can update our, our statuses on Facebook and, and tell people how awesome our life is going, right? I am, I'm, I'm out here. I'm doing this, you know. And, and, and we talk about how awesome our life is. Man, my kids, and my four-year-old, he's doing uh, calculus math, and he's awesome. <laughs> You know, I mean, we do that, you know what I'm saying? Or, or my, my four-year-old is reading Shakespeare, and, and we, we do that, right? And we, we create this persona, man, that, that, that we have this, this, perfect, this perfect life. And the reality is, man, just that we're not living in any authentic community. We're not experiencing true relationships. I mean, let's just be honest, man. We, we've, we've mastered the art of wearing masks, Right? We, we pass people all the time, and, and listen, I'm guilty of this too. We do this all the time. You know, we ask, how are you doing, right? And what's our, what's our typical response, right? We've come up with this universal non-answer of, I'm doing well, man. I'm doing great. Or we say, I'm busy. I said it this morning, didn't I, Liz? Liz, how you doing? I said, man, I'm busy. Or she said, how was this past week? I said, it's busy. And I, and I said, I think, you know, we, but that's what we do, right? And our tendency for giving superficial answers and the desire to live in isolation, listen to me, that, that, that tendency to do those things, that is something, that comes from something deep, deep inside of all of us. And you know what it is? It's called sin. It's called sin. The reason why we desire to live in isolation, listen, if we were created in God's image, and God is a relational God, God lives in perfect unity with the Holy Spirit, with Jesus, the Trinity. And if we were created in his image to live in community, and yet we're drawn to, like our, our natural tendency is to live in isolation, to, to kind of put up masks and to kind of give this persona that everything's okay. If, that, if that's what we're drawn to, why do you think that is? It's because of sin. 
It's because of the fall. Right? Sin turns me inward. Sin, sin deceives me and leads me to believe that I can live an autonomous life and that everything is going to be just fine. And I'm going to tell you something, man. Where sin reigns, community is going to struggle. Community is going to struggle. It's not going to flourish. It's not going to grow like it's supposed to. And we see this. Listen, we see this from the very beginning. If you were to go all the way back to the book of Genesis, the very first book of the Bible, and you look in the Garden of Eden, man, when Adam and Eve sinned for the first time, when they rebelled against God, when they disobeyed God, right, that's what sin is. Sin is just missing the mark, right, disobedience. And when they sinned against God, what was the very first thing that they did, man? They tried to cover themselves because they felt shame, right? They, 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 they sinned, and their eyes were open, and they, they saw each other. They saw that they were naked, and they felt shame. And so the first thing they did, man, was they, they, they sowed they sewed leaves to cover themselves. They, they, they wanted to mask their embarrassment. Secondly, they tried to hide from God, right? As if God, God wasn't going to be able to, to find them or see them. And thirdly, they pointed the finger at each other, right? They blamed each other. See, we're no different from Adam and Eve. Because what we do is we try to, to hide from our sin, right? We, we try to cover it up. We try to, to, to mask the guilt and the shame that we feel from the things that we do. We, we try to hide our embarrassment. We, we, we pretend that we have it all together. Or, or we blame, right? We, we blame our circumstances uh, on, on other people or things around us. And what we're doing is we're looking for something. We're looking for anything to make us look better. And so what we do is we try to, to run from our mess. Right? We, we've got this mess this, that sin has created in our life. And, and so we figure that if we live in isolation, if we can put up this mask, if we can put up this persona that, man, my life is okay, then I don't have to worry about the mess in my life. But listen to me. This is why the gospel is good news. Because just at the right time, God sent his son Jesus right smack dab into the middle of our mess. Amen? And I want, you to, I want you to hear this this morning. I want you to grasp this this morning. See, Jesus enters into our mess up, shame-filled, guilt-ridden lives, and he brings redemption. He brings restoration. He brings hope. And here's the good news of the gospel is that through Jesus Christ, listen, we have been set free. And I don't know if we understand that fully. I don't know if we, if we really grasp what that means, right? I mean, listen, I, I, I'm, I have told you guys from the very beginning, man, I am going to preach the gospel week in and week out here on this stage. I'm going to preach the same message to you every single week. It's in our, it's in our purpose statement because I just believe the gospel is good news and it changes, it changes our lives. And because of the gospel, we've been set free. Listen, we no longer have to pretend. Right? We no longer have to, to hide and shame or carry that guilt around because Jesus nailed our guilt and shame on the cross. Right? Jesus, when he went to the cross, he nailed those things. When, when Jesus went to the cross, he, 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 he died on that cross, and when he did that, he outed us. I tell Jude all the time, I say, listen, man, when Jesus went to the cross, he outed you. And you know what I mean by that? Does that make sense? Well, what I mean by that is this, like, you don't have to pretend because, because Jesus died on the cross, you've been 
outed. Like, you've been told on, right? Like, because Jesus died on the cross, you're messed up. I'm messed up. Right? We have all fallen short of the glory of God. And so there's no need for us to pretend. Right? And listen, we're all here, all of us here on level ground. It doesn't matter if, if you've lived a good moral life, man, if you have tried to obey every single command, uh, or you've lived a life just full of drunkenness and debauchery. Right? It doesn't matter if you have attended church every single Sunday and you've got perfect attendance tens from your collar down to the floor. Right? Or if this is the first time you've ever stepped foot in the church. Right? We're all on level ground. We've all fallen short. He knew in advance that your life would be messy. Right? And there's nothing that could be exposed about you. Listen to me. There's nothing that could be exposed about you, no matter how bad it is, that God doesn't already know about it. Do you, do you understand that? There's nothing. And that Jesus hasn't already died for. And this is, this is what I, I fear, man. And this, listen, I see this all the time. I fear that, man, we are, there are people in this room that are just holding on to things. You're holding on to guilt, and you're holding on to shame, and you're holding on to these things because you're afraid. You're afraid of what other people are going to think of you. You're afraid of, man, if they find this out about me, then I, I just, I don't know, I, I'll be crushed. And see, this is what I'm trying to tell you, man. This is where the gospel is good news because the gospel sets you free from that. You don't have to live in that guilt and shame anymore. You don't have to, to, to carry those burdens around, man. You just got to, to let go, man. Christ died to set us free. And I just want to encourage you this morning to, to, to really understand that and grasp that. And so, so here's the reality, man. Yes, community is very messy. I mean, when we live in gospel-centered community, it's going to be messy, right? You're going to be living among people, and you're going to be sharing your lives together, and you're going to be um, just, it's going to get messy, right? Because we're human beings, right? We, we're, as long as we're alive, it's going to be messy, and it's going to be hard sometimes. And I'm going to tell you, man, we're going to fight this natural tendency to live in isolation, to hide and put up a mask, but God's desire is for us to live in a community to do life together, and to grow in the gospel. Amen? So the bottom line for us this morning is this. You ready? It's going to be up on the screen for you. You'll never be who you were designed to be and do what you were designed to do without living in authentic, intentional community. That's the bottom line. You'll never be who you were designed to be and, and do what you were designed to do without living in authentic, intentional community. I'll tell you something, man. God has got so much in store for you. God wants to use you. And so let's take a look this morning at uh, the community that formed right after uh, Peter preaches the first gospel message in Acts chapter 2. And I love this, this chapter, right? The church is birthed right here in Acts chapter 2, and he has just preached the gospel message, and uh, people respond, man. It's like this is a cut to the heart. Right? They, they see themselves for who they are, and they see Jesus for how awesome and great he is and what they've done and how they've fallen short. And they ask Peter, say, man, what, what must we do to be saved? And Peter says, man, you've got to repent. You've got to turn from your sin, and you've got to confess Jesus as Lord, and you've got to be baptized. And, man, and it's just awesome. It's like 3,000 people were added to the church that day. And, uh, and then as 3,000 people were added, man, 
Uh, this is what Acts chapter 2, verse 42 uh, says. I'm reading from the ESV. It says, and, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayers. Right? And so this verse identifies some core commitments of people who are growing spiritually in the New Testament church. Now, that word fellowship that's in that verse, uh, it, it's a cool word. It's a Greek word. It's called koinonia. Right? Koinonia, which literally means partnership, sharing. Right? And so that's what this is, man. This is a fellowship. This is a community. This is a partnership. Right? This is what we've been saying. This is a, a, a partnership we're sharing together. And the idea is that we're a team, which means that our faith is not private. So, so here's the deal. Yes, you, you individually have to make the decision to follow Jesus. You individually have to say, you know what, I am going to repent of my sin and confess Jesus as Lord. You individually have to do that, man. But when you come to faith in Jesus, your faith is not private. Right? You, 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 you become a part of a community. And you live out your faith with that community. And you exalt Jesus in that community. Amen, right? Come on. Come on. Yeah. So, so in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 17, you can write that verse down. It's not going to be on the screen. 1 Peter 2, 17, it says, love your spiritual family. In 1 John 4, 21, it says, whoever loves God must also love his brother. And the reason, amen, and the reason God pushes us towards community is because he knows that spiritual growth happens best when you are connected with other believers, right? Because he knows, man, he knows that you will never be who you were designed to be and do what you were designed to do without living in authentic, intentional community. And this is why at Chester Christian Church, man, we stress the importance of belonging to small groups. Listen, small groups are, are, are groups of Man, it can be really uh, any, any amount of people. I mean, I put down six to 12 people, but it could be two, it could be four. And, you know, there, there could be a group of people that just meet at Panera Bread, meet at wherever, that meets regularly for the purpose of growing together, maturing together in Jesus Christ. And here at Chester Christian Church, we believe that small groups are the best way to disciple people. So, so if you know our purpose statement here, I say it just about every single week, and it's plastered on our program, it's on the wall out there, it, it's simply this, our purpose is to make much of Jesus. That's, that's why we're here, man, we want to exalt Jesus in everything we do, man, not just in this place, but out there, and, and if we're doing that, and we're doing that right, and we're doing that well, then the result is going to be that we're reaching people with the gospel, Amen. And as we reach people with the gospel, then the next step is to disciple people in the gospel, right? And then naturally, the next step is to do what? To equip people to share the gospel. And it's a continual cycle. Because once you've equipped people to share the gospel and they're making much of Jesus, guess, 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 guess what's going to happen next? Those people that you've equipped are going to do what? Reach more people with the gospel and disciple and equip and reach. You see the point there? And so, so, so let's think about this, this word disciple, right? Discipleship. Okay? It means that, that, that people uh, in the community are coming to an understanding. When we reach people with the gospel, it means that people are coming to an understanding that they are sinners and need a Savior. They're hearing the good news of the gospel, and they give their life to Him. Now, the Bible describes these individuals as new Christians, right? These, these are babies in Christ. And like babies, right, they need help, right? They, they need guidance. They need direction. They need help feeding themselves. And so a new, a new Christian, man, they come in and they're excited 
and, and they, but they don't really know a whole lot yet. And so they come on Sunday morning, man, they're pumped, and they're learning new things, and they're growing. They need help. And a great place to start for a new Christian or, or somebody who's seeking after Christ is this environment right here. Sunday morning is a great place. Right? If you're here this morning and you're seeking and you're like wanting to learn more, man, it's welcome. We, we love that you're here. We love it. And we want you to continue to come and learn and grow. And I love gathering together with you week in and week out as we encourage one. Isn't it great, man? Isn't it awesome, right, to be able to come and to encourage each other? And so, and so Sunday morning is a great place to start, but listen. Sunday morning probably is not the best environment for discipleship to happen. Would you agree? It just probably is not the best environment. The word disciple means learner, someone who is pursuing after God in his ways. And so when we talk about discipling people in the gospel, we're not talking about a program, but rather we're talking about being intentional, living in relationship, people who pour their lives into each other for the purpose of becoming more like Jesus. And that's what small groups are about, right? Listen, it's hard to form relationships and, and come into community when people sit in rows and look at the back of each other's heads, right? I mean, this is awesome. I love it, right? But, but yeah, but, but me just like talking at you is not really going to help you grow. I mean, you learn things, I hope, I pray, right? I hope that you, you leave here and I hope that you're encouraged and I hope that you gain some wisdom. I hope that you learn some things. But, but this is probably not the best place for discipleship to happen. It's probably not the best place. And so the best way to accelerate your spiritual growth is to serve and connect. To use your spiritual gift that God has given you to serve others and get connected with Christ. How many of you guys, if, you don't have to raise your hands, you don't have to answer this, but, but we've provided those spiritual gift surveys for you guys. I mean, I know the first week that we gave those out, I think there was the first page may have been missing on some of those, and I blame myself for that. That was my, my mistake. And that first page actually explains what each gift is. And so if you took that home and you took that survey, and you're sitting there thinking, okay, I got the gift of mercy, but I have no idea what mercy is, uh, we've got extras out there uh, with that, that first page on it, and it kind of gives a description of what each gift is. And so I would encourage you to pick that up. All right. But, but those are the types of things that are going to help you grow spiritually. And listen, man, I hear this a lot. Not, not from any of you guys, because you guys are awesome, okay? All right, but, but this is what I hear from other pastors in their churches. All right, I, hear, I hear people say all the time, man, you know, well, I'm, just, I'm just not being fed at that church. Right? You guys know what I'm talking about? Right? I'm just not being fed. I'm not being fed at that church anymore. Can, can, I just, can I say this, man? Listen, I've got two kids. I had two kids. One of them is going to be six in just a couple of months. The other one is almost two and a half. And if I was still having to hand feed those boys, there'd be some serious issues in the Hoback house. I'm going to tell you that right now. I'll never forget, man, when my youngest, like, just, he wasn't even quite a year old, man, and he discovered, like, I'm sitting there, like, and we're trying to teach him how to feed himself. And I'll never forget the day he, was, he had goldfish in front of him, and I'm sitting there like trying to, to do some things, and I'm having to like stop every minute and put goldfish in his mouth. And finally, I'll never forget the day he realized that, wait a minute, God gave me two hands. I can pick up the goldfish myself and stuff them in my mouth, right? And I remember like in the kitchen like standing up and rejoicing about this, okay? Because that's, that's awesome. That's awesome. And I say this because this, this is the point I make, okay? This is the point I make, okay? There comes a point in your, in your Christian walk that as you as you become a new babe and as you're growing in Christ there comes a point in time where where it's time for you to kind of 
start feeding yourself. Right? It's time to graduate to a, to a fork and a spoon and to be able to feed yourself. And so the idea here is that I'm not here to just be served and loved and have my needs taken care of, but I'm here also here to serve others, to love others, and to take care of other people's needs. All right, so, so notice it says that, that in that first verse it says they were devoted. They were devoted to the apostles' teaching. The apostles' teaching is the Word of God, right? They were in the Word of God. They were studying the Word together. They were learning how to follow Jesus together. And listen, we encourage all of our small groups, man, to, to, to participate in what's called the Discovery Bible Method. And if you're not familiar with this method, it's real easy. Uh, a lot of our small groups do it. And, and so if you are here this morning, which all of you are, right, uh, underneath your seat, go ahead and pull out. There's, there's two papers there. Uh, the one on top should be one that says how to study your Bible. And listen, and this is why we are giving you this resource, because we, we want you to grow in your spiritual journey, man. We want you to grow in Christ. We want you to grow in the gospel. And so we want to help you as much as possible. And so if you take a look at that first one, it says, how to study the Bible. You, you see it says, um, it says head, uh, heart, hands. Is that right? right? It says that. And then out through that, it's got questions. And listen, those questions are questions that you can take, and as you're doing your Bible reading, like, so for instance, we're, we're reading Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47, right? So what you would do is you would read that passage of Scripture, and then after you've read that passage of Scripture, you'd walk through those questions, and you would answer those questions. I, I'm going to be honest with you, man. These are questions, a lot of these questions are questions that I use every single week as I write my sermons. I mean, these, these are very similar. I, I've got a a sermon application worksheet right here in my, in my thing. And a lot of the questions that you have on that thing come, are on this, on this my, my, what I do for my sermon each week. And you're talking about a great resource, a great tool for you to get in the Word of God and to ask questions. A great, a great method of studying the Bible, right? And imagine doing that, listen, imagine doing that in a group where you're sitting in a circle with each other and you're reading this passage of Scripture. And each one of you are kind of going through and you're examining the text and you're asking these questions. Think about how awesome that would be, right? Listen, the Jews believed that Scripture was like a diamond. You know how sometimes when you have this diamond and you, know, you turn, the light reflects and gives different rays and different light? Yeah. That's, that's what they believe the Word of God. The, the Word of God is like a diamond, man. And every time you open it up and you read a passage of Scripture, man, you learn something new. Right, God, God gives you something new. And so imagine, man, you've got a group of six, seven, eight, nine, ten people in this group, and you're reading the same text, and you're having these questions and conversations, and you're learning something new. See, that's how God grows us. Right? God grows us by us getting in the Word of God, by us studying and feeding ourselves. He speaks to us through His Word. And then God is also going to speak to us through other people. Right, because because you may not have seen something that, that somebody else saw, and, and they speak that, and you're like, man, that's right. I never saw that before. That's pretty cool. And then you'll notice on that application sheet, how to study your Bible. There is a um, there is an accountability aspect of it. Right, it, it, the question is, how are you going to put this? How are you going to apply this in your life this week? And so, if you're in small groups, man, you come back the next week, and and you're like, well, so so were you able to do this? And it's not like a a condescending, like, make you feel guilty, right? It's like, so, so we, it's, it's more of an encouragement, man. Were you able to follow through with this this week? If not, man, how can we pray for you? 
How can we encourage you to do it? Where are you really struggling? You see what I'm saying? Does that make sense? And so we want you guys to take that home with you. Right? And use that Bible study tool. It's a great, great way. I love what uh, 1 Peter chapter 2, uh, verse 2 says. He says, like newborn infants, long for pure spiritual milk that you may grow. Listen, man, this, this is spiritual milk right here. Right? This word, the word of God. That's how you're going to grow. And when you're doing this in community with each other, and you're, man, it's, just, it's going to accelerate spiritual growth. Right? Here's the thing. Verse 42 says they were, they were devoted to these things. They, they devoted themselves to the fellowship. This wasn't a take it or leave it thing for the early church. Right? This wasn't, like, if I feel like it, man, I'll go. If I have time, I'll go. Right? They made time because they knew how important it was. Ephesians 2.19 says, So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. That means that Christian life is not a matter of believing, but it's about belonging. And after the church began in Acts 2, there's no concept of New Testament Christians who does not belong to a local church. There's just no concept of it. And why were they devoted? Why were they living in community with each other? Because they know that you will never be who you were designed to be and do what you were designed to do without living in authentic, intentional community. Bottom line, doing life together is also important because, listen, friends shepherd friends. Look at verses 44 through 45 with me. Check this out. I mean, this, is, this is a great picture right here. It says, and all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the pro- proceeds to all as any had need. And that's just a beautiful picture right there, man. Right? I mean, they, they, they were... They were taking care of each other, right? When times get hard, friends are the ones who learn about it and respond first. Listen, the gospel reminds us that we are all needy, every single one of us. And since Christ has met our greatest need, that is what motivates us then to meet the needs of our brothers and sisters. I can't tell you enough what a blessing our small group has been in the past. I mean, we've had our babies and and, and people were, were coming, and they were bringing meals, and they were visiting. And I mean, I, I, can, I, I can tell you, man, numerous occasions people have offered to, to watch our kids for us to go out. How awesome is that, man? Right? Like, can you just come and do this every week? <laughs> right? Or, or just, uh, I've had people, I've had small group members offer to cut my grass for me when I've been out of town. That's just, and and that's, that's, that's good stuff. That's huge. Right, we take care of the people in our small groups. That's, that's, that's the way we do it. And you want to be in a small group before you need a small group. You, you know what I'm saying? In a small group, nobody has to take attendance because you know who's missing. Right? You know who's not here. You see that they're not here, and you can just look around the room. You know, if Robin is not in her usual seat, it's obvious. And, and if a group member hasn't already uh, figured out that, hey, she's not going to be here this week, then then you can send her a text message. You can send her an email and say, hey, we missed you this past week. That's a whole lot easier to do in a group of 10 or 12 folks than it is, a, a, right? You see what I'm saying? Small groups are where the church becomes personal. It's a place to love, to be loved, to know, and to be known. It's, it's, it's a great thing. And that's what's so beautiful about the church. Right? The Apostle Peter describes the church. He says, man, you are all like a royal priesthood. Right, a holy nation, 
You know what that means? Man, it means that we all have the ability to minister to each other, to care for each other, to serve each other. And listen, as your, as your pastor, man, I would love nothing more than to sit down with you at your kitchen table with a nice burrito bowl from Chipotle, right? And to visit with every single one of you. And I, I straight up do it. I straight up do it. I would straight up do it. But I'm going to tell you something, man. When you, the level of care that you would receive from a, a group of close, personal friends that you are living in community with, I'm going to tell you, man, that's, that's, that's sweet right there. You know what I'm saying? That's just a beautiful thing. It's smaller, right? It's imperative that we do that. And the way that we do that is through small groups. And so currently we have 13 groups. And we have a list of those out at our Welcome Center, uh, information desk, whatever you want to call that. And uh, it's available and we're hoping to add a couple more groups over the next few months. I've got some, some leaders who said, hey, I'm interested in, in leading. Right? You're talking about accelerating your spiritual growth, man, right? To lead a group. Right? And people think, man, I've got to be uh, some type of super pastor type person to lead a group. Listen, all you're doing is facilitating those questions that you have in your hand right there. That's all you're doing. Right? You're just facilitating and asking questions and people are talking. It's a great thing. I loved uh, a little over a month ago, this, this new family has been coming to church here, and they approached me out in the foyer uh, one Sunday, and they came up to me and they said, uh, hey, Aaron, we, we would like to lead a small group. And, and literally, my, my mouth probably dropped because I've never had anybody come up and say, hey, I'd like to lead a small group, and I think I probably stuttered a little bit, was like confused, like, what did you say? Uh, but, but that was awesome, and, and that's, I'm telling you, man, it, it just shows you what God is doing, right? God is working, and God is moving, and it's awesome to see. People are growing. And because we believe that small groups are the best way for discipleship, listen to me, all of our children in the back are currently in small groups. Right? All of our kids have at least two adults in that room that are ministering to them and serving them, and they're in that small group, and they're able to build relationships with those kids. Right? A few years back, man, we, we moved our middle school and high school groups. We decided to go with small groups. I'm going to tell you something. That was challenging because we had to find a lot of volunteers. But we believe so passionately about this because here's the deal, man. Here's the reality, man. When you're in youth ministry and you've got a group of 30, 40, 50 kids, as a youth minister, again, it's just like it is, but it's hard to really minister to every single person. And so, and so one of the statistics that we were seeing is that, man, once, once a high school kid gets to, to their junior year, man, that's kind of the breaking point, and that's really when kids begin to check out because they've got their driver's license, they're getting a job, they're making money, and they tend to, to kind of check out of youth group. I was like, man, we've got to break that trend. And so we decided to go with small groups, man. And I'm telling you, we've got some, some small group leaders that have stepped up. And so we've got small group leaders, and what happens is this, okay? So you've got two people that take over a sixth-grade group, and they are their small group leader for the next six years until they graduate. How awesome is that? And you know what that does, man? You've got two small group leaders. A lot of them are couples, husband and wife. And, and, and they are building relationships with those kids, man. They have parties for them. They go to their school events. They go, I mean, we got some dedicated volunteers, and I love it. And you know what we've noticed over the last few years? You'll see it in just a few weeks as our graduating seniors come up on the stage. But, but, but kids who are in their junior or senior year, guess what? They're staying connected. You know why? Because of those relationships. 
because of that connection. Do you see how important it is to live in community? It's the same way with adults. So what's our next steps, man? Next steps is this. If you're here this morning and you're brand stinking new and you've been coming for a while and you're just learning and seeking, we do a connect class uh, every month. Our next connect class is next Sunday. Next Sunday night, it's at our house. I've invited several of you through email. Man, if you're interested and wanting to learn more about the church and our, our purpose and where we're headed, man, that, that, that's where you need to be. Come, hang out with us, have some snacks, child care is provided. It's a great, great atmosphere. Uh, second thing is, under your seat, you also have this membership profile. We've been talking about that over the last five weeks. And this membership profile, listen, even if you're here and you filled this out within the last month or two through that Connect class, I'm going to ask you to fill it out again. I know, I know, I'm sorry. But we changed it up, and it's a lot better now. And so I just really would encourage you guys to take that membership profile home. And if you are, uh, just prayerfully consider, man, just being a part of the community here at Chester Christian Church. And as you work through that, and as you check the boxes, and as you, you, if you have questions, man, listen, we're here. We're here. I had a person last week say, hey, man, I got a question about the spiritual gifts test. And they came by, and we met, and we talked about it, and it was great. I learned a lot more about this person. It was awesome. And so, so if you have questions, man, we're willing to, to, to come and walk alongside of you and help you with that, okay? So, so to take that home, pray about it, and then bring that back to us. There's also a copy of that online. If you're an online person, you can go online and you can fill that out for us. That'd be great. Um, and, then, and then, obviously, uh, another next step is serving. We talked about that last week. Man, just get plugged into a ministry, serve somewhere. We, it was great to be able to go to Par 3 Ministry yesterday and to see the work that those guys are doing out there that... It's just awesome, man. And I would just encourage you to get, get plugged in somewhere, serve somewhere, and then obviously get connected into a small group. Man, it's just we, 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 we would love. That's, that's how you're going to grow best. So here's the deal, man. We're engaged in the greatest mission ever. Greatest mission ever. Right? When Jesus gave his last command, Matthew 28, what did he say? He said, the great commission, he said, go and make disciples right? He didn't say go and find disciples. He said go and make. And that means it's going to be work. And it's going to require us to embrace and enter into the mess of people's lives. But listen, Jesus came and he did it. He entered into our mess, right? He, he, he hung out with the lepers. He ate with some notorious sinners. That's what Jesus did. And so we follow his example and we get it into the mess, right? Community is, is what God created us for. Not, not that we would live our lives for ourselves, but rather we live our lives sold out for the glory of God. Amen? And we do it together in community. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for your son Jesus. We thank you for your word. And God, we just pray that you will, God, just over the next few minutes, just uh, speak to us. God, as we get ready to come around your table and, and, and take communion. God, to celebrate what you have done for us through Jesus Christ and remember the sacrifice. God, I pray that you will just move in our hearts. God, and we will just not allow Satan to, to whisper things in our ear or to bring up things from our past. Or, but God, that we would be willing to just, okay, God, I want to be set free. I want to let go. 
God, help us as we move into this, this time now. In Jesus' name, amen. The guys are going to come forward and they're going to pass out a tray of bread. And that bread represents the body of Christ. Uh, and then they're going to give you a cup of juice. And um, that juice represents the blood that Jesus shed on the cross. And, and I want to encourage you to take that and, and just take a moment to reflect upon that and, and thank God for what he's done for us through Jesus, but also celebrate the victory we have. It's because of that victory we can live in community. Amen. So let's, uh, let's do that together as the men come and uh, the music plays.